Hello and welcome to episode 97.5 of the Critical Twits podcast, where today we'll be talking to you about our adventures at the Dice Cup Cafe in Nottingham. Hello and welcome back. I'm Aaron Ravinsky. And I'm wife of Twit. And today we are going to talk to you about a bunch of board games we played at a board game cafe in Nottingham called the Dice Cup. So this will be a little bit rapid fire, I think, because we've got quite a few to go through and we don't want to keep you here forever. So consider these like a brief preview of these games and a rough thinking we had while we were playing them. But if you're interested in any of them, let us know. We'll try and get hold of copies to do like proper reviews of um, if you like them. So the Dice Cup then. We were in Nottingham having a little bit of a wander around uh, while we was doing some recording for another one of our Critical Twits days out. And um, we stumbled across a rather large board game cafe in Nottingham called the Dice Cup. Yeah, it was much larger than I thought it was going to be. There's a little comic book section, um, which is like a little comic book store called Mondo Comico, I think. Yes. Um, The board game section, where you can buy board games. A cute little cafe section. And then you go up the ramp into the board game library, and there's like a really big open plan area with loads of tables where there was lots of rpgs going on and lots of things that i didn't quite understand so we sat down the bottom because i got scared and i feel at home in in the board games <laughs> so we hid in the board games <laughs> yeah that seems fair yeah they were quite welcome to role players there was obviously a section for you to buy role playing bits and pieces but i've seen some reviews of people saying that they're they asked for them to run sessions for them and stuff and they were happy to in places so yes yeah, that's something I think different to a lot of board game cafes particularly is that role playing element a lot of them avoid it I think because of the space availability and things like that um, but yeah no, that was they, they were good the staff they were really nice my favourite staff member no offence to the guys who work there was definitely Merlin though oh Merlin the dog yes um, yeah they do have an installed dog that we don't think lives there no, I think she belongs to one of the owners, maybe. Yeah. But she does have her little dog bowls and a bed, and she will come up and say hello if you wanted to, and she'll just sleep at the bottom of the ramp, and you can give her cuddles when you go and get board games or when you come back. <laughs> but most of the time, she just chills in the corner. For the first night, we didn't even know she was there until she was leaving. No, it's true. Because <laughs> one of the guys was playing um, Magic the Gathering, which was running at the time on the night we went, um, and obviously just sat under the table giving him a cuddle while he was playing. <laughs> Which, you know, everybody needs some mascots. Yeah. So they, we were playing, they were playing Magic the Gathering on the first night when we went in in the pouring rain. And we went in after eight o'clock because, you know, we'd been recording all day. Yeah. See other YouTube video, um, which may or may not be out, depending on when we release this podcast. It, yeah. Um, and then um, the guys come over and they introduce themselves to us. And we got some food from the really nice vegan cafe. And we sat down and they turned the heaters on for us and then they came over and they showed us how to play Machikaro, which was our first game. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Good link. <laughs> Good link. Um, because we didn't quite know what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so they took the time out of the game that they were playing to come over and tell us exactly how to play the game. Yeah, and it didn't seem like we were inconvenienced in any way. It was like, no, 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 happy to do this. I'm just going to do it really, really fast because I'm in the middle of a game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is really awesome. Um, yeah, we did mention, as was mentioned, is a vegan cafe. Oh. However, we only knew that because, well, we'd asked after a little while and we'd seen reviews about it there. If I hadn't have known that, I wouldn't have known from the cakes. And the fact that they asked me what type of milk I wanted in my hot chocolate. And, and didn't mention 
real milk. And I'm using quotation marks around there. No. Um, but everything was lovely. It, it's. It was really nice for me um, because I obviously can't eat dairy anyway. So knowing that I could have mint chocolate chip cake. Yeah. And uh, what else did I eat? A red velvet cake, yeah. a red velvet cookie, a yeah. caramel shortbread. <laughs> uh, I had two pots of tea, um, of which there is many, many tea varieties, but yeah. you can't beat a classic Yorkshire tea. No offence, guys. Um, and I had hot chocolate with soy whipped cream, soy milk, and mini marshmallows. Yeah. Oh, and fizzy mango. Best shop ever that sells fizzy mango. <laughs> it's a thing you have struggle with. It's like if somebody's got a Rubicon in you, you're doing well. Oh, but yeah. But there was fizzy mango on tap. Oh, and it was the best. I drank my weight in fizzy mango, I do believe. And I drank way too many energy drinks because they do provide them there. They have a fridge just for energy drinks. Yeah. You lot are addicts. Yeah. I was going to say, I wasn't the only one drinking them. No, pretty much every table had multiple people them. playing them, yeah. We have problems. We've, you do. we've mentioned this before. Gamers have problems with Relentless. No wonder I got ID'd trying to buy one. <laughs> it wasn't even for me. I must have just looked really out of place trying to buy an energy drink in Sainsbury's. Yeah, we were buying loads of sweets with it as well, so that didn't help. <laughs> um, yes, so as we mentioned... Probably quite a while ago now. Our first game we played was Machikoro, which is a dice and card game where you are tasked by the mayor mayor to build your respective towns and you need to build four particularly important elements. Your train station, the power plant, the amusement park and something else that we can never remember because we've tried this three times already and forget every single time a generic other something else massive piece of building that you have to build which is like 18 coins or something yeah um well, the first person to build all four of them is the winner uh, no other point scoring system that's it and as you said 18 coins for some of them so they go from like i think 8 12 18 24 22 i think yeah um, which you earn money by having by building other buildings that will generate you uh, coins from the dice rolls you roll every turn. So you'll either be rolling one or two dice, depending if you've got the prerequisite building, and each building you have um, corresponds to a particular number on that dice. If you roll that number, you get money. If your opponent rolls that number, sometimes you get money. Depending on the colour of the card. Or you steal their money. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you buy... TV station and keep rolling six. Yes. I'm quite good at rolling six. Yeah, I noticed that you picked particularly the buildings because you're the only one who bought the number three cafe, which was essentially you build a cafe in your, in your town and your opponent rolls a dice, rolls a three, and then goes to your town to buy some cut of coffee and gives you money. Yep. Yeah. So I did have to spend several turns building up stuff so I could just afford your fine, essentially, every time I rolled that number. Yeah, but you built several turns building up every single number so that no matter what dice was rolled you would get something yeah well i like things happening every single turn i don't want to turn a roll on a dice and nothing happening see i was more focused on the one to six dice because i all my bonuses applied to my one to six cards yeah so i kind of lost it that way (laughs) i focused on my bonuses instead of all of my cards i think you would think it was a tactic that could have worked actually i think that was the nice thing about it you could because you don't have to roll two dice when you get the opportunity to roll two dice. You can just carry on rolling one. It stops your opponent having any chance of scoring from those doubled figures, uh, double dice roll figures, and allows you to focus on a smaller element. 
so you've got more consistent income coming in. I think I just got lucky with a few dice rolls and bought things that I knew were going to come up quite often from probability and things because I was so scared of rolling those numbers that you'd deliberately set up for me to lose on. Yeah, but it's quite a luck luck based game obviously because you're rolling a dice but you're trying to counteract it by buying things that will you think will come up a lot or if you're anything like me knowing that you're going to roll all the low numbers all the time so you buy lots of the low numbers because they're dice and they hate you you have to strategically plan for it as well because you have to think am I going to save my money to buy the bigger four cards sooner mm-hmm. or am I going to spend three coins on this five coins on that to get the rolling bonuses Yeah, to get more money in further down the line yeah, because a lot of the cards interact with each other, so some of them will get make your other cards earn more coins, or will bounce off each other kind of thing. So you're trying to build sort of a combo. It's a deck building essentially kind of thing. So you're trying to build buy things that will combo with each other. Yeah, like if you buy the cattle market, you want the forest for the cattle to live in. Essentially, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they'll give you bonuses in that respect. Or if you buy a mine, then you want the other mechanical things to go with it that'll actually process the stuff you get from the mine yeah yeah which all makes perfect sense and uh, if you buy the cafe and the restaurant then it goes with charging yeah and so you can increase your charges because you get better quality of cafes and things yeah yeah um it was it was fun i think it worked quite well as a little two-player game which this is a lot of the games we're going to be talking about today or we're looking at it from a two-player perspective although they aren't focused primarily on two-player there was only the two of us playing yeah so we're going to look from that perspective but it worked very well as a two-player game which a lot of these sort of things can fall down on that but i think it worked just as well with the up to four players i think it was i think it would work better with the four players because you wouldn't be able to buy as many of one type for example i bought i can't remember what number three was it wasn't the cafe but it was the bakery i bought many many bakeries because i had the double bonus on it yeah so every time number three came up and I or I think it was two or three came up and I got the bakery I ended up getting three coins instead of two yeah um because I had that I'd bought the first card and it gave me a bonus on all of my merchandise and food earnings that I could have yeah so but if there was four of you playing I wouldn't have been able to buy as many bakeries and you wouldn't have been able to buy as many mines and get as many bonuses I think resources would be a bit more scarce yes um and for example, there's only three radio, uh, three TV stations. Yeah. So where we both picked that same bonus because it was taking money off the other one, and then we en- both ended up buying the same one because if either of us rolled a six, we owed each other money. Yeah. So it kind of cancelled that out. Yeah. If there was four of you... Three of you might have that. You would have to change tactics. Yeah. Because there are only... You can only buy one six, and there are only... I think three of each card. Yeah. So you couldn't duplicate and do what we did to cancel out bonuses. So there's a bit more risk reward. Going yeah. There, yeah. Plus you'd have more dice rolls, more risks. Yeah. You wouldn't be earning as much money or you'd earn more money because there would be more dice rolls. So the chances of two and three coming up more often would be... Yeah. Higher. Yeah. So you... I think it would have a very different gameplay element if you were playing at four player as opposed to two yeah you'd be a bit more tactful rather two became a bit more predictable but it was a much quicker flowing game yeah we finished it in about 15 minutes yeah it was a nice nice quick game which i really enjoyed like you said there's tactics involved in it and there is enough interaction going on there i mean i know i said you roll a dice and then you gain money and then you buy stuff but as you said 
you can also earn money on other people's turns. You're interested in what they're rolling and doing and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're always interested in what other people are doing around the course of the game. I think if there was more than two of us, I'd have bought more blue cards because then I would have got the bonuses on your rolls. Ah, uh, yeah. Whereas because it was just the two of us, it was 50-50, so I focused on the green cards, which only I got because then I got bonuses that you didn't and that's how I could boost my money. Yeah. Makes but sense. if there was four of us I think I'd go for more blue cards because then there would be more chance of me getting money on the other three goes Yeah. so I could secretly squirrel it away and then when it came to my turn I'd have all the money to pay Yeah. Sounds and the good. red cards would work better as well because when somebody else rolled them you'd get money from everyone yeah you'd be really mean with those yeah um, yeah but no we enjoyed that one it was a good game the artwork was really nice as well it was yeah. an attractive looking game um, nice quick simple little thing yeah, it was um, easy to understand. It was quick to play. Yeah. Then we had a go at Agricola. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Or Agricola, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I have no idea, but I'm going to call it the Game of Liars. It, okay, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. So this is one of the... Uh, I think it's in the top ten on Board Game Geek. Probably still. I could check, but I'm too lazy. Um, it's a highly rated game Jamie raves about, has raved about it for ages um, I've been eyeing it up for a long time it's very expensive but I've heard very good things about the two player element of the game yeah. it works quite well as a two player game it is very Euro gamery well it is a Euro game so yeah. it's that you have your puzzle in front of you you work on your puzzle there is a limited amount of things you can do to interfere with the other player at least in the version we played because we played a simplified version I don't know there was there was quite things that you kept doing to screw me up when you knew I needed extra resource or when you knew I needed food to feed my family and you were the starting player you did take my resource yes to stop me from building things yeah so with a lot of these games the same with Suburbia and things like that you can sometimes tell what your opponent wants or is going for and because it's a worker placement game, so you, you've you got two people in your farm um, who you can then send out to go do different jobs. Yeah. And there's a massive selection of them, and as, as the seasons go on, you'll get more and more of these jobs appear. But certain of them are more useful than others at particular points, so you, there's only one space that will give you read, which you'll need to build your, build your houses up. Um so the instant you know your opponent is looking has got loads of stuff looking to build the house but they don't have any read you might deliberately send all your workers to go get read which might be a disadvantage for you but it puts them down more yeah so then they can't build a house to breed to get more players to do more jobs more things yeah so it's, it's a lovely lovely e- these games sort of live or die on the engines they develop yeah um, essentially so this one had a wonderful engine and the thematic element to it really helped tie in how everything worked. So you, you have a farm. It has just been the plague has just happened, there's not many people about anymore. But you need to grow your farm in yeah. order to deal with the rising population, which hopefully you'll be included in if you build the house expansions. Um and don't cheat. Again, we'll get to that in a second. Um for growing your farm, um, with the aim of essentially filling up your farm board with stuff. So either sowed fields or grazing areas for animals or buildings for your workers, um, the people that live live there. And because it's that kind of medieval farming thing, you know exactly that if I go out and sow plants and grain, I'll get more grain from that. I can then get some of it back to replant, but it'll take time to get that back. I can then bake that into bread. I can then cook that into other meals, but with buying the other elements. 
and it all sort of chains together to get you more and more stuff ideally if you do it well and don't cheat <laughs> just don't shake your head at me I know I did this all wrong I will explain yeah so you've you've generally got sort of four two to four goes before it becomes harvest time yeah at harvest time you'll get all the things from your fields um, you know you can sort your animals at this point and things like that if you need to but you need to feed your people yeah if you don't feed them you have to send them out begging for food, which loses you loads of points at the end of the game. But there are loads of way to, ways to feed them. You can become a day labourer, you can take the starting player and get a food token, you can go fishing, you can sow the fields and yeah. get your crops back, you can put a fireplace and then cook that food, you can get animals and then sacrifice them. Yeah. So we didn't actually have to use the begging cards. No, we. I think, but again, that might be because we are playing it two-player particularly. Yeah. Come four-player, where the resources are more scarce... You're probably going to be struggling a bit. I think it would be a very different game. But you're also, by going specifically for stuff that gets you food for that harvest time, you're not developing things as well. Yeah. So if you go for the starting player, true, you're going to get choices early on thing, and you've got some food for your people, but you've not built a new house to grow your family. You've not developed your field in order to plant things into it later on. Yeah. So you constantly, it's, it's this risk-reward thing. You need food, but you also need to grow more more you need to expand otherwise you will lose points at the end of the game because each space you don't develop on your board at the end of the game is lost points yeah if you don't have one of each type of animal that's lost points if you don't have one of each type of food at the end of the game you've lost points if your buildings aren't the most up to date and modern buildings you lose points um if you don't read the instructions properly and you lie to your wife on how to play the game you lose points yeah so (sighs) This this is, I mean, when you're playing the game, it's actually fairly simple, as I said, because the engine and the theming all work very well together. You quite understand uh, how everything interlinks with each other and how one thing corresponds with another. The instructions for these games tend to be really complex because they're trying to explain how each of those bits work. When you've played it, it makes perfect sense, but reading it, it's very easy to miss things. I didn't think the instruction manual was that great, to be honest with it. And we were rushing a little bit because obviously we'd gone in quite late to the Dice Cup on the first day. We didn't get there till gone eight. Yeah. Um, we'd played Machikuru before it and I think it was about half past nine, nine, half past nine yeah. when we started to play it. And they closed, and they at, closed 11. at 11. So we were desperately trying to get a game in before we started. Yeah. And that's that's the only downside with board game cafes, I would say. Yeah. Is that when you try and play the more complex games, you don't have time to sit and read the instructions yeah. and you don't always have a staff member on hand if they're busy to come over and yeah. help you explain all the rules. But then that's also the advantage of a board game cafe in that someone can walk past your table and say, do you know you're playing this completely wrong? <laughs> uh, this does this and this does this. And then all of a sudden you realise that you have to rewind your entire game and start again. Yeah, so... <laughs> what if your twit was very focused on trying to develop the family? side of things so she'd have more workers to go out and do more stuff yeah which is the tactic you are supposed to do that is the main fame in the game that is a clever thing to be doing build my house build my resource yep so she spent spent a lot of lot of time and resources on on expanding the house to get my third extra player yep now you can't do certain things like sow the field or have a baby and things like that in the game until the right card turns up in the season sequence um, is to give you a little chance to sort of build up things before those things appear. There's a little bit of randomised element to that. Um, 
but each season you were guaranteed sort of on turn three you were guaranteed for the have a baby thing to turn up now the card itself wasn't written brilliantly sort of after after growth you can do this what that should have said is you could now have a baby essentially and and you can also do this thing at the same time so i saw that card and went well we haven't had the growth card yet clearly nobody can go there and have a child so wife of twit wasn't able to actually go have a child in that building she she developed so we got over halfway through the game towards the end and we still hadn't had the ability to have children in my eyes because i was completely wrong and so she'd essentially wasted all her resources on building this building that she couldn't have until somebody from the Borgate Cafe walked over and went, why is nobody, you've got space to build and why don't you use that card? And why aren't the resources go- gathering on every single turn? Because if you don't use it, they build up. Yeah. So yeah, that was another thing. I missed the fact that if it's got a, the cards have got a red arrow on them, it means that every turn it gets... Another. It, another or three other, depending on what, how many symbols. Three are on other word, another sheep, another cow. Yeah, and the first person, the person the that goes there gets everything on that slot. And we were just doing it as it's one there and that's all you get from it. Yeah. So we were doing that completely wrong because that's a good way you can leave it for a little while, risk it that somebody else might and go and steal get it. Nine blocks of wood instead of three. Yeah. So you'd have an instant, it bad to instantly build another building. So we were fighting for like one clay <laughs> yeah. and one resource. Wondering how on earth anybody ever develops anything in this game because it and never it goes anywhere. right to the end of the game before we could even build a fireplace to cook our wheat. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And the guy was like, you can do that after turn two. Yeah. Because there's enough clay in the building to do your minor yeah. improvements after turn two. Yeah. And uh... then wife of Twit got very angry at Twit. <laughs> and made him rewind the entire game. Yeah, we did. To the start. Went back to the start. But the second time we played it through, now admittedly we weren't... Made a lot more sense. Yeah, it made a lot more sense. <laughs> we weren't necessarily being massively tactful, so this game can take ages, but we sped through it at that point in time. We had to. We, we know, we've got an idea of what we wanted to do. We know what each of these cars do now. Cool, we're doing this, 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 this. And we went through about six turns in the space of ten minutes. Because the poor guys wanted to go home because it was 11 o'clock at night and we were desperately trying to finish the game that we'd spent an hour playing before. Yeah. But played it completely wrong. And bless them, they let us, they let us finish that game. They did, yeah. They supported we're, we're us. Without any pressure, without <laughs> any pressure, yeah. Just, just mocked me for reading, not being able to read a rule book properly. Cause yeah. Because I, I know I'm saying the rule book wasn't brilliantly written because these things aren't because they're complex. But I also wasn't reading it very well because I was skim reading because I was in a rush. So yeah. they, 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 that was on me. Uh, but we did play the simplified version of that game. We did. So um, we once... only had the major improvements, so there's minor improvements to include as well. Loads of occupations, loads yeah. of other character cards. To the point where, I mean, this this board is filled with stuff. There, yeah. was, there was tons of bits and pieces to it. We had what is essentially, if you put your hand so your fingers are facing vertically on the side, that is the stack of minor improvement cards that you'll have yeah. there is almost the same size in occupations you can have so you can put there is loads of choice you'll have during a game for developing how you want to yeah. so each of you are going to have a completely different farm essentially in each game and you can play it completely different ways which is quite interesting i reckon that's a game that will enter our library yeah i think so i really enjoyed it i, I th- enjoyed it once i learned how to play it properly yeah i was getting really frustrated the first time we played it because I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get the resource to build my house. And yeah. when I did build my house, I couldn't get the extra workers. And I couldn't see a way of 
progressing myself and all I was doing was focusing on trying to get four food before the harvest to feed my family. Because I'd broken the engine. Yeah, because yeah. you broke it. But I think that's one that we will probably end up picking up at Expo or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we'll probably end up playing it properly, learning how to play it properly. Yeah. Getting a few um, other people to come and play it with us and getting elements and maybe doing a review of that game on its own. Yeah, definitely. Because that's the point of board game cafes is that you try games that you wouldn't necessarily try. Or are it's too expensive for you to risk just buying a yeah. Um Which leads us brilliantly onto our second day because... Yeah. I wanted to go shopping yeah. in Nottingham because why would you not want to go shopping in Nottingham? Yeah, we've travelled 100 miles to get there. We might as well get on with it. But it turns out, after about half an hour of shopping in Nottingham, wife of Twit gets bored and wants to go back to the board game cafe. Yeah. And not only because there is cake and a dog, but because it's not raining and it's quiet and cold, but not as cold as being outside. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it just, it was such a welcoming environment that it, I felt like it was worth the £10 to go back for a second day. Yeah. Um, and that's a key thing to point out, actually. If you wanted to go after 8 o'clock, it's only £2.50 each. Yeah, because they give you half price because they are, no, you can't have the full four hours. Four hours. Because they're only open for three. Yeah. But that was really good for us. It was quiet. It was dark. It was in the middle of town. So there was no real issue with transport. Or yeah. We could walk back to the hotel. Yeah. Um, it gave us something to do, so it got us out of the hotel for the evening, and we got to make friends and play board games. Yeah. Um, but I loved it so much that I made us go back for a second day. You did. But the rule for the second day was that I wanted to play as many board games as we could that weren't long strategic. I wanted to make the most of the four hours and play the quicker, fun games that I wouldn't necessarily buy, Yeah. but I would play. Yeah. Um, and that was a big thing for me. I think if I'm going to buy a long, complicated board game like your Pandemics or your Suburbias, I would want to... Like, we played Suburbia in drafts in London. That's yeah. where we fell in love with it. Yeah. But we had to buy it because it's one of those games where I want to spend hours playing it. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to pay £5 a head to sit in a board game cafe and play it. I'd rather yeah. buy the game. Yeah. Um, And use the board game cafe as... A tasting experience, if you like. Yeah. Where I want to... <laughs> we we pick games very differently. Yeah, we do, yeah. We have to take it in turns, because we play, we play and we pick games very, very differently. You pick the games that you think I would like, based on the engines and the stories, and I pick a box based on a colour. Yeah, you do. You go for artwork. I do. I always go for artwork, yeah. which is why we played Machikuro. Yeah. Because every time we go to a board game shop, I pick it up, I have a look at it, I think, would I like this? Because it's very attractive looking get Because game. it's a cute game, but I don't know if I would like it. Yeah. So, the minute we went into the board game shop, that was what you found. <laughs> and so I picked it up and went, cool, let's give it a go. But then you also picked up the game that you'd heard really good things about, and it's what you wanted to play. Yeah. And then we did the same thing on the second day. So, we picked up, um, you picked up Camel Cup. Because yes. you thought I would like that. Yeah, we saw some people playing that in drafts in London. They were having a good laugh with it, so we thought we'd give it a go. I really liked Camel Cup. I thought that was such a good betting game that had a luck element to it completely. Yeah. I really liked the little wooden camels and yeah. that they stacked on each other. The only thing I didn't like with that one is that it's obviously such a popular game yeah. that the pyramid was broken completely and the box was broken. Yeah. And that's the disadvantage with board game they cafes they tend to replace when something is really badly done but a little bit of wear and tear can 
make or breaks of the more physical ones. And Camel Cup was actually a surprisingly quite physical it game, considering physical it was game. a, like you said, it was a betting primarily game. Yeah, it is essentially betting. Yeah. But it's also good to teach kids maths and dice rolls and probabilities. Yes. Um, and it was hilarious watching you trying to shake the pyramid to get a dice out because yeah. you failed. So, yeah, so... <laughs> So, so in the game, so I'm going to slightly distract and then come back to that because yeah, I just, just couldn't do it. It was bad. So, so Camel Cup is essentially it's, it's a horse racing game with camels, which I'm assuming is probably an actual thing. Again, I haven't looked at it, but you will you have some money and you are going to bet on who wins each leg of the race. So each camel will get a dice roll to move forward a number of spaces. They, if they're underneath a stack, they will move a whole stack with them. If yeah. they lend on some another camp space for another camel, they'll go on top of a stack. Um, you'll bet on each of those legs, um, and you also bet on who you think will be the overall winner and the overall loser at the game when you get to, but when they get to the end. Um, so you make bets by taking a card from the top um, that is the colour of the camel you think will win that particular leg uh, from a stack. First person can win five coins if they that camel wins three and then one. And, and then, then you get one if it comes in second or is, minus one if it comes in third, fourth or fifth. Yes. Um, and with the overall winner, you will... If you're the first person to put the colour of that camel down in a stack, because you can, you can theoretically put all your cards in the winner's stack over the course of the game if you originally think the red camel's going to win. and then Orange, but yes. Yeah, the orange. And then uh, some t- uh, for some reason, the green camel decides to come in, it starts coming first, so you change it over. So you can just put there. But you get more coins based on who's first in that stack. Yes, so so you get you've... eight coins if you pick them first, five coins if you pick them second. Yeah, and so on. It's the same with the, with the loser. So you're trying to take things early enough to make, make more money, because whoever has got the most money wins. But you're also trying to figure out who's going to be in that position before you take them. So there's, a, again, that risk reward that comes with gambling. So because you can choose either to A, take or make a bet, or roll the dice. Now, other than, rather than rolling a dice as normal in this game, you put them in a pyramid, which is a nice little 3D pyramid that comes which on the board. Which is an amazing idea. So, yeah, it's a nice I little loved thing. that little pyramid. Yeah, uh, because it hides, because each of the dice are coloured for the camels. It hides them, so hides you them. can't pick your camel. Yeah, you'll know by the time it gets to the last two who the last two dice are going to be in there, but you don't know who's going to come out next. Yeah. So you've never got any, you can't, it stops people being able to cheat. Yeah. You've got a dice bag or something, although... These games will say, you know, you shouldn't look in it, you should do it hidden and stuff. There's always possibility with this that somebody can just look in and see Whereas what they've picked. You cannot look inside that pyramid. Yeah. You couldn't even get a dice out of that pyramid. No, I couldn't. So you put the dice in the top of the pyramid and then you slide a little slider and it keeps everything hidden and then you can shake the pyramid up, shake all the dice. You then turn it over and open the slider and one of them is supposed to pop out. Now, as we said, this is a well-worn game. It's so the corners of the cardboard have been yeah, pre-loved, very pre-loved well Pre-loved game. Of, of worn slightly, so the top kind of caves in itself a little bit. Yeah. For some of us. Well, for me. Because every time I turned the thing up, would pull the slider out, would lift the pyramid up, and there'd be nothing there. And I'd be holding the pyramid above my head, and nothing would be coming out, because I was squeezing <laughs> the pyramid wrong. And I, no matter how I held that pyramid, how, how much I shook it, how much I poked the hole in the hopes of dislodging something, I could not get anything out. 
So whenever I actually got to roll a dice in that game... I did. Yeah. I got to roll all of mine and all of yours. Because <laughs> I couldn't do it. It's just awful. But that's... You know, I mean, it's, it's a physical cardboard piece. Those things wear after a while. There's ways of reinforcing it to stop that. And in fairness, that game's been played a lot to get it to that stage. It has been played a lot. You could tell from the state of the box, from the state of the cards. It It's a well-loved children's game. It is, yeah. Well, I mean, you could argue that it's not necessarily... Ch- I mean, it's nothing adult about the artwork. It's all very cartoony and everything else. It's gambling, though, so theoretically... Yeah. You shouldn't play it with children, but as you said, I think it, it, there's I think a I lot. I would play it with children. It's I a good way of teaching probabilities. It's a good way of teaching maths and things like that because yeah. you, I mean, you. This wouldn't work in a four-player game. In a two in a no. two-player game, you were able to do this by essentially rather than rolling the dice at any point, you took because you'll get coins for rolling the dice as well. You took the first bets for all of the camels. So I was guaranteed to win five. Yeah. Well, six, because one of them would be in first and one of them would be in second. And then the other three would be minus one. Yeah. So I was always guaranteed to get three coins. Yeah, from that. Now, I obviously didn't notice you doing that. No. Because I wasn't paying attention. You did not. I could quite easily have interfered with that. But I was trying to be tactful, going, hmm, who could could win this? It didn't win me at all. Um, But I wouldn't work in a bigger game, because I think other people would spot that easier. To be fair, I did win, but it was luck more than judgement, because I picked the orange camel to win, because it was the closest thing to red, which is my favourite colour. Yeah. And I picked the green camel to lose, because I don't like green. (laughs) So, and I placed a last minute bet on the yellow camel to win, because the yellow camel sat on top of the orange camel. Yeah. Because the orange camel was in the lead all the way around, Mm -hmm. and I kept betting on the orange camel. You know... Red's my favourite colour. I'm always going to bet on the orange. Yep. Or the closest to. Yeah. Um, I really don't like green. Green is like the worst colour on the planet. Yeah. I don't like it. So I'm always going to bet for green to be last. But I got eight coins because that green came last. Yeah. And he came last on a technicality because somebody else jumped on top of him. Yeah. I think it was white. The white one. Jumped on top, on top of the green. Which the camel on top is technically ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, green was not in the last until the last second. No. And then I placed a last minute bet on yellow, which gave me three coins. Yeah. One turn before it jumped. Yeah. Because there was only two dice left in there. So you had more of an so idea. So it was a 50-50. And if it was the orange one that came out, I was already going to win because I'd already bet on orange very early in the game. Yeah. And if it was the yellow one that came out, I wasn't going to lose anything. Yeah. So I put the bet down. Yeah. Um, whereas well, you bet on blue, which came like that. Yeah. And I, well, I, put, I actually, I think at the end, I put green in to win right at the end because I thought green, because of where it was positioned, the stack was going to uh, land on top and end up being ahead of everything. But, yeah, no. Yeah, no it didn't work like green that sucked. Yeah. But you say, I mean, there is, like you said, a high element of luck, which adds to that gambling element. So yeah. it, it keeps that gambling mechanic more interesting as you're playing it. But there is, I mean, you, you were saying you'd be completely luck-based, but that was that was tactical. You were, okay, I picked yeah. those because they were my favourite colours in hope. But then as it got towards the end, you went, this is probably more likely, and put that down there. So you were actually, you. there was a yeah. tactic going on there. You could still lose it being, being really tactful. You can't guarantee anything with this game, as you said, because it's luck. It is primarily luck-based. But that that it depends on the sort of gameplay you are. I know some game groups i mean some of the other twits really hate kind of luck based stuff because they can't make tactical decisions as such i don't mind a little bit of luck sometimes if it's not yeah. primarily that or if that's not the only game we play kind of thing for an evening because it's fun it's they tend to be quick and easy to pick up and play 
and there's a lot of replayability to it because well, it's guaranteed not to happen the same way each time because it's luck based. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was fun. I think it would have worked better with more rivers. I'm not sure I'd potentially buy it, but no. it was definitely fun to play in a board game cafe. But then that's the whole point of the board game cafe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then after that, we played Sushi Go. Yes. I did not like Sushi Go. This, From the we, offset, did well, not like Sushi We found two varieties. I brought one over, and it was a three-to-five player version, so I had to go take that back. And then there was another one in a tin that was a two-to-five player game. Which is like a travel version. Yeah, which for some reason... And they worked slightly differently, I think. It might be... One of them, I think, was Go Sushi, and they wanted Sushi Go. We played Sushi Go. Which was the two-player travel edition I that think. you could put in your bag and play on a plane or... Yeah. Something uh, like that. Where you are essentially, you have a stack of cards. You put one down in front of you. you uh, each each of you does that, and then you pass the cards over to the other person, and then they put the card down in front of them from that, and you pass the cards around. Um, so you, everybody gets to play with all the cards at some point, but the stacks are getting smaller and smaller as you go. Yeah, we're trying to make sets of things. So tempora, if you have two tempora, you, tempora, you, you get score six five, five points. points, but if you've got one, you score nothing. Yeah. The person who's got the most Mackie rolls scores six, six points. points. The person who's second is three. three. Uh, for anybody else, is zero. Um, the wasabi is worth nothing on its own, but adds loads of points if you put it on one of the on the squid. Um, on, on top, underneath on the squid. Another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on another card. So essentially, but you you do this open, so you can see that somebody has once everybody's picked, and you then flip over. You can see somebody's picked the Mackie roll out of what's ever been from the hand. There might be more in that deck that they're going for in the hopes it will come round. But you've also got what a card with three Mackie rolls on it. So next time you that comes around, you put that down in front of you to beat them. You can see that somebody's going for Tempora, so you try to deliberately take the Tempora out of things. You, you know, you've got a little bit of an element of you want to go for your sets, but you also want to ruin other people's. Don't think it works as a two-player game. It does not work as a two-player. Because... It annoyed me. Yeah. It annoyed me because... I knew what cards you were going to go for. You knew what cards I was going to go for. I knew that there was no point in trying to get the Sashimi set because there weren't three cards in there. There was only two. Which we learned by the second turn because we both at that third turn because we'd then seen each other's hands. More players would make that much more difficult. You've got no idea, but you'd have to make that tactic earlier on. If it's a four-player game, I think it would be a lot better. Yeah. But as a two-player game, it sucked monkey balls. Yeah, it did. I knew what cards you were going to go for. Yeah. And you knew what cards I was going to go for, so you blocked me, so I got no points. I blocked you, so you got no points. Yeah. So Neither one of us could get the ten points because it was only two of the three cards in the deck. Yeah. And it just became a pointless card-passing game yeah. where nobody was scoring anything and there was no point to it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... After about the fifth round, there was no point to it. About, I would say I would say probably the third or fourth at that point. It just because became I'd seen, pointless. You, you picked up a tempo... Uh, the tempora, or on the first turn, I picked a Mackie roll. It came round. You'd picked another tempora because there was one in my my deck. Yeah. So you got the points from that. I saw one in there. Knew I didn't have another one. The other one, I went. Well, I can leave it with that because. Oh no! I saw there was two. One in mine. One in yours. So you I took, took one. So we, I knew neither of us could score that point. But you taken Mackie ro- enough Mackie rolls to then beat me, and I knew at that point again by the fourth turn that there wasn't enough in there unless that was all I focused on to get that back. to get that points back, and I knew I was going to get three points from it anyway. Yeah, so um, there was no point. I knew there was only the one wasabi, so as soon as I taken that was fine. But there was multiple of the things that go on top of the wasabi that score extra points, so I knew I was guaranteed to get something from there. 
and yeah, we knew that one of the other cards wasn't going to score. It just doesn't work as a two-player. It doesn't, because it's too predictable. Especially yeah. if you know the person you're playing with, because you know the game tactics. You know how they're going to think. You know where they're going to try and block you, so you don't even go for it. Yeah. And it was one of those games that the cards smelt funny, the graphics weren't amazing. They were cutesy. I mean, they, they were, were cutesy, little, but they were happy sashimi and little, little bright-eyed Mackie rolls. Yeah, but they, they were cutesy, but for the price of the game, because I've looked at it before yeah. in board games, and it's been one of those things like Machikuro where I like the box, so yeah. but I've never bought it because I don't know if I'd like the game. Yeah, And I think if I'd paid like 15 quid for it or whatever it is, I'd be annoyed. I would seriously be annoyed. For playing, yeah. Because I would never play it again. And it's not one of those games, unless there was like two, four, five, like three, four, five of you where you can mix it up a bit. For a two player, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't waste my time on it. I'll be honest with you, even with more players, it would be more interesting, but I don't think it's something we'd probably come to. There's not enough to it. It's, it's a quick, don't get me wrong, it's supposed to be a quick filler game anyway. It is, but it's like playing an adult version of Snap. It is actually, yeah. It is essentially or Happy Families Snap, but Snap where you get to look at everybody else's cards so you know what's coming. Yeah, it's not got that randomised element of Snap that you can put a card down and it would be silly. If I think if you were to play it closed hand, so if we were to pass the cards around and you kept all your ten cards face down on, until on the, the end table. of the game, yeah, that would make it more of a risk element because you wouldn't, you'd have to then remember the cards that you had to then logically work out what the other person had taken to yeah. see what their game tactic like, was. I know in that deck there was a Mackie roll. There is not a Mackie roll in here, so one of those players has put a Mackie roll down. But, so, but that's a big one. But that Mackie roll that's gone, is that the Mackie roll that I've taken or was there another well, Mackie roll? Yeah, to look at your own cards. Yeah, think, but there but was you... like six Mackie rolls. Yeah. So you think, yeah, well, oh, how many were there at the way. start of the game? There, there might have been something in the instructions about playing it that way. Yeah, but the first the instructions told you to play it open hand, which is what we did, and yeah. that annoyed me. So after the first round, I was done. Yeah, well, it wasn't, I was out. Yeah. I think there are advantages to it. If you wanted a quick travel game, go for it. Yeah, because it's If you like compact. the Japanese art style, go for it. If you like Japanese food, you know it could be yeah. quite cutesy and yeah. playing on a plane and stuff like that. I don't think it's something that anybody's going to be massively sort of come back to all the time. But, though. There are better of those sort of games about. Yeah, um, I wasn't a massive fan of it. We didn't play it for very long. Um, we had a couple of rounds and then it really annoyed me. Yeah. So we moved on to um, the Rick and Morty card game. Yes, Total, Total Rickle. Rickle. Yeah, I think that was it. Based on the episode Total Rickle. Yeah, which um, was a little bit better. But again, I obviously have a thing against these type of card games. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, with you. I'm with you on this one as well. Okay, so basically in this game you are... Trying to figure out who are the parasites and who are the real characters, but none of you remember who anybody is. So you put a character card down with an identity card underneath, which would either be parasite or real. Yeah. And there are more parasites. And if it's, there are two elements uh, versions of the game, but it's primarily supposed to be a cooperative game. So all of you um, have a hand of cards that allow you to do actions, uh, like look at the next identity card, figure out who, um, swap identities and players shoot and shoot people and stuff like that if you shoot for the real characters you'll get massively depressed and lose yeah um and you win if you declare if all if 50 percent of you agree that all the parasites have gone off the table so all the characters are free because you're constantly putting a new one on every turn um if there's no parasites on the table at any point and you all agree on it 
well, 50% of you agree in it, and you win the game, and there are no parasites, then you win. Yeah. Sounds like it could be okay. You know, a bit of a deduction game. There's a random element to what you can do because you're reliant on the cards. So you might have four cards, or four Beth cards, who shoots the characters. Yeah. Um, or four Jerry cards, who just messes with things without looking at them and just swaps character identities around without telling anything. Um, there was nice little throwbacks and touches in that respect to... Uh, there was, the in that it tied into the series, because obviously the characters were characters from the... Like, the, the characters you were shooting were characters from, from the, the game. that episode, yeah. It, from the whole series. Yeah, um, there were a couple of things. There were of... characters from the whole series. Yeah. Uh, and that was good in that if you're an avid Rick and Morty fan like we mm. are, you can tie in with the characters and you can go like, oh, it's this character or this you're character. You're going to jerry it, sorry. Yeah. But the thing is, because it's cooperative, the jerry card didn't... I didn't really like it. No. I, it, it was been, kind of, well, it was something you were forced to play, I think, in the cooperative it game. It is, but I think if we were playing against each other, then you would use the Rick card to look at the top card and you kept it a secret and you'd be like, well, I know that person's real, so I'm not going to shoot them. But then you can jerry it up and you can swap the cards over and you can mess it up for the other people. Yeah. It, I think that would make more fun because you're trying to sabotage the other person which is the whole point of Rick and Morty you can jerry it you can force Beth to shoot one of them you can be summer where you look at two cards and rearrange them so you know who's the parasite and you know who's real and you can force the other character to be Beth and shoot one of them now as I said before there are two ways of playing the game so there is the cooperative version which we played which frankly was bland it was boring because you looked at a card i looked at a card we knew who were real we knew who you not to shoot yeah we got um, the beth cards to come out we knew who were parasites we shot them in four rounds well well i think we, we, ended, we lost because we we because it's constantly putting new power characters out it was a couple of times where it's like well, we don't know if it's parasite or real i've got mostly shoot cards in hand but let's shoot something it'd be funny yeah kind of thing what we weren't really it didn't feel like being tactful at all. It was just like, I just kind of wanted it to be over and done with. I played the I tried to shoot Summer 10 minutes ago card just to end the game. Yeah. Because now, it shot all the characters. Yeah. Now, there is a version of the game that is competitive. Yeah. Where you don't necessarily play with the character cards, but you all have identity. So it's basically resistance. Ah, uh, so you try and shoot each other. Yes. That so, would be better. With multiple of you. So now... Resistance. You're primarily doing it on your talking. So, yeah. I'm you know I'm not I am a resistance member. I'm not part of the corporation. I'm not a traitor. It's fine, kind of thing. And then trying to sabotage by, by going on the missions. This game adds in the cards that will allow you to look at somebody's identity and figure it out. Because I don't think somebody correct me if I'm wrong on this, but because I only skimmed read the instructions at this point. But I don't think the parasites do like you do it resistance where you the traitors open their eyes at the start and look at each other. Okay. The parasites don't. So they don't actually know who else is another parasite. They just know uh, they need okay. to survive. Yeah. If others need to die, doesn't matter. They need to survive. So essentially the parasites are out for themselves. So if they can cooperate, figure out who they are and cooperate, great. So but they don't know. A bit like One Night a Werewolf. A little bit, yeah. Um, but with the werewolves not being able to see each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like One Night a Werewolf, we've got things each of the characters can do. In this case, you've got the cards. So you can uh, force characters okay. to... Because you can force somebody to shoot another character. Yeah. So you can force one person to shoot another and hope it's... That they're a real, real one, Or the parasite, depending on what, whose side you're on. Yeah. Um, 
that could be interesting. I think it needs it would need five plus of you for it to work because less than that, and it's too easy to figure Definitely, things out. Definitely, yeah. But the card element would make that interesting. So jerrying up a situation would be hilarious because you're not allowed to look at your identity once you've seen it at the start, unless you've got a card specifically to let you. So somebody jerries your card. You were a parasite at the start, but now you have no idea who you are because you don't know what that person. Which was. is the randomised element of one night werewolf that I love. Yeah, when you start because mixing things. When up. the drunk gets in or. Yeah. So somebody's Our friend being... gets in, who's not even playing the game, but she likes to mess up people's cards. <laughs> it brings in that randomised element of you can't bluff it anymore because you genuinely don't know who yeah. you are. I'm pretty sure I wasn't. I wasn't a werewolf, but I don't know if I am now. And then you get to that point where you're like, well, I might be. So I might have to just tell them, what. Well, no, I was a werewolf. My card's been swapped, so that person definitely is now. But has my card been swapped? Because we don't know. Yeah, whereas in this one, you'd know that your card's been swapped. You don't have your eyes closed at any point in time but you've got no idea what your identity then becomes. But it still brings no in that random element yeah. of, I can't bluff anymore because I don't know what I am. Yeah. And it's that genuine concern of, do you shoot me or do you not? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'm real or a parasite. Yeah. That would be a lot better. I think that could be fun because you've got the action cards which make it different from both of those games and because the traitors and the people on side have genuinely no ideas. Everybody at your table is massively confused for the entire game. And those yeah. games are funnier when everybody's hideously confused. I mean, we've played... I don't think you've played Masquerade with us. Not with the large group. We played it at one gate of the UK Games Expo when there was like uh, eight of us. And you swap... You take people's cards and swap them under the table so you don't know what you've picked unless you're uh, very good okay. at card shuffling and put it back and you think you know who you are but you might have accidentally done something wrong so everybody's just hideously confused add alcohol into that situation it's even worse that's my idea of gaming though it's it's funny it's very it's social um so i think in that respect the total record was good the cooperative element is pants it, it was just it was just rubbish because we knew exactly who was who yeah, the Jerry again, cards didn't really work. We very rarely had two blue characters or two green characters to use the summer cards properly because you can look at them and shuffle them. And yeah, so it's related to the colour of the card they are. So we end up with blocks of particular colours, which didn't, which works well with one type of card but not with another. Yeah, it was. It just just didn't seem to balance very it well. It could have just been the the luck of the draw that we just. Ended it was could have been, but I, d- I don't think there was much else to that. I don't, yeah. yeah, it didn't seem to work. But as a competitive game, I think that could be quite fun. But do you know what I did love? What's that? The Sagrada stained glass window S- game. Sagrada, Sagrada, I'm not sure. We've... We're going to call it the stained glass window game. Yes, because the title was in stained glass, so I couldn't actually figure it out. We had to Google it afterwards so I could figure out what it was because we will be purchasing this in the future because we oh, liked it that much. Definitely. This is another suburbia type game. Yeah. But it's also a puzzle game. Yeah. And it's got that same kind of gameplay that I absolutely adore. It's got hundreds of little pieces. It's got like 90 little dice plus it's got these like glass counters which are your, absolutely gorgeous. Favors, yeah. And you get to pick your window based on the difficulty to slide into so you're sliding it into the stained glass window before you fill it up and then you can't have a two next to another two or a purple next to another purple and the the strategicness of i can't put that dice there or and you can only put a dice next to another dice so it's not like you can put a two on the top line and a four on the bottom line yeah you have to get the dice roll in the exact order of the color or the number because your window requires certain numbers and certain colours in certain positions 
and you have to be able to add that dice on that roll when it's been rolled in that window slot but only if you've already got one next to it it's, it's a giant it's a giant puzzle game i loved it yeah so I absolutely loved it as you said i mean there's hundreds of pieces all the dice are teeny tiny tiny brightly colored dice that represent your stained glass essentially um so you are tasked with building the best stained glass window and you gain points based on a selection of randomised cards that you draw at the start. So sets of ones and twos, sets of colours. Threes and fours. Three, yeah, threes, light basic, shades, basic, basic shades, sets, dark essentially. shades. Yeah. And you lose points if you haven't filled your wi- for each space you haven't filled on your window. Which you couldn't fill because you looked out on the dice. Essentially, board. you have to take every dice you can each turn. If you, yeah. ca- if you cannot take a dice on a turn, you are not filling up your window. You run out of dice. So it is a drafting game. So you will take out for a two-player games. We played it five dice. Yeah. So there's enough for you to take two each, and then one is left over at the end, uh, as which is the marker to say that that round term, is done. Which is nice, but it also sort of reduces the dice pool in random elements as yeah. well. Um, so they're all different colours. You roll them, um, and then you start off by having to put a dice on one of the edges. Yeah, um, they have to hit the prerequisites of the card you have slotted into your stained glass windows. You said so each. You've, there's, there's a huge stack of different cards. They've all got different restrictions on them. So some of yeah. them will have areas where you have to put a purple dice or a yellow or a blue. Other yeah. areas, it's a particular number you have to put in those sections. Yeah. You also, as you said, are not allowed to put dice next to each other if they are the same number. Or the same colour. Or the same colour. Orthogonically. <laughs> I'm probably saying that completely wrong because it's a word I've... Actually, bizarrely, never come across before until we played But it was in every Agri- set of game rules. Yeah. Um, diagonally is fine, but up and down, left and right, you cannot put same number or same colours next to each other. So you're constantly having to plan your positioning of things. You've also got your own personal, personal goal, goal, which is, is, from what I can tell, basically a particular colour dice that you want to have. And you'll score points based on the values of those dice. So you're looking for the highest numbers of a particular colour to yeah. put on your board. So my personal goal was yellow, yellow dice. So, you were... so I chose the stained glass window with the most yellow squares, so you... thinking that that would force me to get the most yellow dice because yes. I could only fill my window. And then you wouldn't know that that was my personal goal because you would think I was doing it to fill my window. Uh, clever. So See, I didn't have that you option. You wouldn't take the yellow from me because you'd be like, oh, well, she obviously wants the yellow to fill a window, not she wants the yellow to get yeah. the points on her personal well, I'd goal. Well, I still took a yellow on a couple of occasions. Yeah, and I took again, your purples. But... It's a, because it's a drafting game, you take it in terms of one person takes a dice, then the next person takes two, and then the other person takes Gets one. One of the last um, two. And then it goes on the next turn it goes the other way around essentially yeah um, and in the larger number of games essentially works so everybody gets a chance at taking sort of it goes round back and everyone forth. would get two die yeah um, so you you know you've got a limited selection of dice and numbers on the board in front of you because you've only got five to choose from and so again you can sort of see what another person is going to be going for yeah so you can deliberately choose things that not primarily great for you but are going to ruin it for somebody else because the others aren't that great for you Either. so you've got that little bit of interaction there again this is very euro gamery type of interaction it is you're not deliberately messing with each other through a card or stealing things or a thing but you're looking at what they're doing 
what how they're fixing their puzzle and how you can interfere with that puzzle yeah we were more focused on doing our own windows though than messing with each other because a little, for the first game yeah the puzzle of trying to fit the dice in to fill your window is more of a concern than yeah. messing about with somebody else yes i reckon once you've got the know-how of slotting it in but i spent minutes and i do mean literal minutes yeah staring at dice staring at my window and be like well i can't put a four there and i can't put a yellow there and i've already got a red there and i can't put a three there and i need to put this five here and but i've already got a five there yeah so i can't slot this that three yellow i had a yellow three for a good 10 minutes before i figured out that i could use one of the special cards to move an already existing yellow dice into my yellow slot because I'd yeah. already put a three next to it. So, so I couldn't have another three. So yeah. I had to move a yellow six and then move that yellow three into the other yellow six spot because it was next yeah. to a four and a five. So this might put some people off because obviously you are very focused on your puzzle so you can get very head down on doing your little bit, little thing. Um, but again, because we like Suburbia and Agricola where you do very similar things in that respect... Um, it doesn't bother us so much. We can't enjoy those sort of things. I love but those games. If you get over-focused on a puzzle and you don't like that sort of style of game, this might not work for you. Um, but as you said, there are some. you get a selection. And again, this is a randomised element. There are huge stacks of the gold cards and there are huge stacks of favour cards which allow you to do special things with the dice. You can either re-roll them or move one dice somewhere else, ignoring certain rules um, and various bits and pieces. Um, but they cost you to use. To the first person to use it, it costs them one favour, and you'll start off the game with five. And the second person to use it will cost them two. And I think it's two again for the next person and stuff like that. So it costs two, one, then two. So you've got yeah. enough essentially to do all three of the actions once if you're the first person. Yeah. Um, or two of the actions second time and one of them once if if you, you're the first if, person. If you'll be yeah, if you manage to get one of them as the first person. Uh, you've only got enough to do them a little while so you can't do loads of messing around there's a, but there's enough there for you to adjust stuff to make you make things work luckily I only needed to use one of them once yeah. and then that was enough for me to sort out my pattern Yeah. So they're, slot in my dice even though they're, ran, they're randomised there's always something of use in there we did miss the fact that a couple of them were you can only do them straight after drafting and because it was the first time we played the game we weren't entirely sure what was good and what wasn't I think so we weren't using yeah. those cards but again, that's something that comes with learning these games. Like with Agricola, there was loads of major developments we could choose to put on the board that none of us went for, or neither of us went for, because we weren't sure how they were going to actually help us. Yeah. Later games, once we won the it was like, well, we'll definitely go for that, because that's going to make me do this, which will make me do that. So, yeah. But again, this is going to be one that we pick up. Yeah. It's, it's the style of game we like. We like those kind of puzzle things between us, because we'll talk about something else while we're figuring out a puzzle. It might not work if you're. Not the sort of group that does. If your sort of group doesn't like Euro games, as I said, like the other twits don't, you probably yeah. won't like this. But I really liked it because not only was it physical, it was a puzzle. So I liked the fact that there was the random dice roller element. Yeah. But I got to play. The first thing you did while you were reading the instructions was I tipped out all 90 dice. Yeah, and I was like, you need all 90 dice in that bag. And you're like, I don't care, I want to play the dice. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I started making patterns out of them and. Because the seeing how they would bit. slot into yeah. the stained glass window. You're the same with Potion Explosion. The reason that you like Potion Explosion is because it's got beautiful marbles and bits and things that happen. It's And Pandemic. Jelly cubes. Yeah. 
it's it's the tactile element of board games. This is why sometimes board games work better than video games in some of these respects. Is because you've got some you could physically make contact with. I think that's why I'm not such a fan of card games as well. Because they always feel the same. Whereas I liked the Agricola. 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 Just call it whatever you like. It's the, the farming game. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that because it had little sheepies and it had the little wooden animals. Oh yeah, and the sheepies the f- that I made. Um, you made because yes. they needed more you sheepies. You bred the sheepies and then you killed the sheepies yeah. to eat them. But it had that physical game pieces, and this is why I love board games so much because you've got the jelly cubes in Pandemic, you've got the little sheepies in the farming game, you've got the little dice in the stained glass window game. Yeah, you've got something while somebody else is thinking. You've got something that you can physically tactile touch to, yeah. and you've got. It's the same with Carcassonne, things like that. You Like the Dyson, uh, the Dragon and the Princess. You've got the little wooden meeples. Yeah. You've got things that you can physically move. And touch. And I think sometimes that helps with the puzzle games, particularly because you're because you're making contact where you're not just staring at something. You're, mo- you're physically moving things around. I think that yeah. helps with you thinking. And yeah, it makes other areas of the brain, which is always good. It does. It, and it, it keeps your brain tactile. So it's always good for children and stuff as well. And it nicely ties into the next game we played, which was Mutant Meeples. Mm-hmm. Which? Which was a puzzle game, mm-hmm. and it did have wooden meeples. Yeah. But actually, I didn't get on with it, because it's a puzzle game, but that had no physical pieces other than the meeples. And and some little bits cut. It was so bland-looking. It really it was. It was a grey... Really cheap. A grey board with grey cities that yeah. you couldn't really see. Yeah. But then... You had to move your meeples around them or jump them or phase through them or depending on which mutant meeple you got to get to a target point somewhere random on the board that you couldn't necessarily always get to. But because there was no... Because you couldn't move the meeples because you're both trying to solve the same thing. You had to do it in your head. And I really struggled with that. Because I didn't think the cities stood out. Because no. they were grey cities so, on a grey board. Yeah. So I really struggled to get the problem-solving element of my brain to say, well, Ozzy can walk through that and Bluebeam can beam to another spot or, like, shortstop can stop in front of a building, but he can only do it once. Because I couldn't instinctively see where it, the buildings yeah. were. The, the design of that game wasn't great. So essentially you are organising some superheroes... Yeah. Um, to try and get to a spot on the board where there is a crime occurring. Which is randomly generated through counters. Yeah. Um, the first person to uh, find a solution to get into that area gets to put one of the mutant meeples that they, uh, the superheroes that they used for that solution, onto their team. And the first person to build up a six out of the eight characters team wins. Um, they all run at super speed. So. You send them off on the left direction. They carry on that direction until they collide with something. Either another meeple, a wall, or the edge of the board. But as you said, the walls didn't stand out very well. So it was very hard to see exactly where they were. Each of the characters has got a special ability. um, So some of them can jump over locations or face through, like with Ozzy. um, Or teleport from one area to another and various bits and pieces. Which all makes sense. And it was quite simple to understand what they were because the meeples themselves had like little symbols that represented what they did yeah which which uh, were quite nice they were quite nice they had cute little names and cute little backstories yeah, they were and quite stuff cool. and like um 
the jumping one, the green one. I can't yeah. remember what his name was. But then you had like Ozymosis who could go through buildings. Yeah. Bluebeam who could beam to a blue spot. Yeah. Uh, Shortstop who shot stopped just before a building. Stopped short of a building. Um, yeah. The black one, Carbon, um, who could take on the ability of any other meeple. Because carbon copy of something. Because, yeah. yeah. And it became they. I thought they in themselves were really cute. They that were. was a cute premise. That was a good idea. They were cute little meeples. They had their symbols on. They had their cute little backstories. But they were the only part of the game I actually liked. Yeah. I was like, the only issue I had with them was that there were three of the characters, Ozymandis, Ozymosis, Shortstop and... One of the Sidestep. other ones. Sidestep. Who could only use their ability once, whereas the others could use it as many times as they wanted. Obviously, each time you use oh. an ability, it's a move. What was the yellow one that went round the board? Uh, wrap around. Wrap around. Yeah. But that seemed. I understood why they were doing it because I was very powerful abilities, but it also seemed very arbitrary because it was like there was three of them, but there were eight characters. So why is there only three that can only do it once? That's hard to memorize. Either that do seems, them all once, or, or have half let the them do once. All do the abilities. Uh, you go, yeah. There needs there needs to be some sort of clear divide, I think, with that. So essentially, what you do is you stare at the board, trying to figure out oh. who you can get there, and you can use as many uh, up to three of the mutants heroes to do that. So you can set them up in areas to block off other other ones, so they can bounce off each other and stuff um, when they're running at super speed, and. You want to do it in the smallest amount of moves possible. Whoever declares that they're doing the smallest amount of moves gets to do it first. If they fail, they lose one of the characters on their team um, and the other person gets to try. Um, so you stare at this board for ages. Then whoever figures it out first, you have to put the mutants... You've got little counters for each of the mutants on your board. And then you declare how many moves you think it's going to take. You take that number from a selection of other counters... The next person can then try and has theoretically it's supposed to be a timer though, I think it got missing. I was um, has say, time I think a that... short sixty second counter essentially to figure out how to do it in less moves. See, I don't think I could have done it in less than sixty seconds. No. So I was quite grateful that someone had lost the egg timer. Yeah, because it just allowed us box. to just play it as we wanted. But, but because... I don't think I could have done it not knowing what all the characters did straight away and trying to make them work together and figure out where they had to go around all the cities in less than 60 seconds. Yeah, so some of it could have been down to the fact that it, we were learning how all the bits and pieces yeah. worked. But then I thought about it afterwards and went, well, once I know what all the characters do, am I really going to come back to this and play that little puzzle again, which hurts my brain because it's not very phys- physically or, or or visually engaging... Or would I rather go play something else that requires that kind of same level of thinking but is more interesting? It seemed like a really big board taking up most of the table. It was huge, actually, yeah. It's for the sake of a couple of counters and seven, eight meeples. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of space. It could have it could have almost been done on like a rolled-up piece of paper in a much smaller box, like a rolled-up mat. Yeah. That would have worked a lot better, I think, than this huge cardboard board game that took up a lot of space in a big box. Yeah. When actually, in actual fact, all you had was twenty-four counters for the t- for the amount for of the moves. time for the moves, a scoreboard, which didn't really need a scoreboard. You could have just used your meeple and a number. Yeah. You didn't need to 
pull it out on a scoreboard. It just seemed like an extra piece that you didn't really need. Yeah, it seemed a little bit arbitrary. It's like, right, you need to move. I think it was just try, try and stop cheating. So you have to move. You deliberately pick up the people and put it on yeah. the area. So you're saying that character is moving four moves, that character is moving six. So I'm taking a ten move thing. Yeah, it just so seems... somebody goes, you didn't do that tactic right. But that seems like you might be getting really petty. But it it just seems like a really big board and a really big box and really space because it was a huge box. Yeah, hugely. It was a huge wasteful. box for what it was. Yeah, and I feel like if it was on a game mat. With just a little baggie for your meeples and your scoring could have been on a tokens, cardboard tube, yeah. And which you could slide inside. Yeah. I would be more inclined to buy it, but I'm not going to give up half a bookshelf for a board game that I could essentially play on a piece of paper. Yes, it is that. It's a game I think a lot of people used to play where you, you randomly draw some lines on a page and then you'd have to draw a line that would only stop once it hit something and you try to get to that location. Yeah. It's that game. Essentially, that's exactly what it is. With some mutant superpowers, it just just wasn't very good at all. I didn't I didn't enjoy that at all. No, um, not just because the puzzle element was a little bit obviously hurt my brain thinking about it, and that's fine. I, I enjoy that. We like the puzzle games that do I that. I love puzzle games, but it seemed a little too simplistic. I think in my my brain in that respect, while also not being very fun. Do you know what puzzle game I did love? Yeah, the one that I made you play twice. Yeah, and I'm gonna rave about forever you mean unlock i do mean unlock yes which i mean you play twice because there are six different adventures well three per box three per box but there's, there's two two, two editions yeah and you gave me the choice of the undersea aquatic adventures or the silly clown locked you in a basement adventures mm-hmm. and i chose the clown because clowns creep me out which is weird so i was kind of hoping we'd kill the clown to be fair yeah but it isn't that vicious a game. It is kid-friendly. So we did play the Squeaky Sausage. Yeah. Which I found the best game of the day. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Downloaded the app. It's a simple card game. Well. It's, it's like the... You know, all you get is a pack of cards. A pack of cards and an app. And an app. So it is essentially a simple card game yeah. in that it doesn't come in a massive box. It doesn't have millions of pieces. It doesn't have millions of pieces. You download an app that gives you a timer. You can turn the hints on if you want hints or you can just play it normally. It is essentially an escape room in a box. It is an escape room in a box. Yeah. And I loved it for that version. Yeah. And obviously we're not going to give away any spoilers because I want people to go out and play this game. Yeah. I absolutely loved it to the point where I made us play it twice. Two yeah. different versions, obviously. And we probably would have played it again if we'd had time, but we needed to go home. I would have played all four of the other versions. If yeah. I, if we'd have picked that up first, we wouldn't have played any of the games. No. We would have played all six versions of Unlock. Yeah. So, you, as you said, you get an app and some cards. Yeah. And the first card in that deck is the setup for the story, which in the first one was Professor Noise. Professor Noise. Um, I think it was noise. Yeah. Uh, but whatever you want to call him, because he's he's an evil genius, and he's locked you in the basement because he's going to destroy the world, and you need to escape from it. Yeah. So the other one that you played was you're looking for a spy who's created a truth serum, and you know he's in an underground system somewhere. So Scientist in a lab. Very escape room setups. Yeah. Here's something silly. You're trapped somewhere. Get out. Um. So it will tell you to draw particular either lettered or numbered cards. Yeah. You will look at them. They will either show a picture of a room with a bunch of other numbers on. 
um, which will be sort of various objects that you can look at in the room. Yeah. They will be red cards. Which, which need to be partnered up with blue, blue cards. cards. Because they are sort of objects. combination things. Or a yellow card, which will be a lock, which yeah. you will use the app for to put in a numbered code. Which would then unlock drawers, safes, padlocks, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Same as you would in an escape room. Yeah. You just do it on an app. Oh, yeah, with with the cards. So you'll be looking through the cards trying to find any hidden objects you, or numbers you can see in them for something sort of sneaky and hidden in the background. they were cheeky little numbers hidden. They were very hidden. well hidden in the background. Um, I'm still sure I saw a number on the top of a dusty cupboard no. at one point, which did... This is a prob- possible problem with the game. I thought I saw the number 31 in one of the games on top of the dusty cupboard. So I looked for number 31 because I thought, this is one of those sneaky numbers. And it was like... Aha, you've discovered the uh, the code for this lock. And I was like, wait, no, wait hang on. on, I don't even have that lock. <laughs> Put it back in, that wasn't the right one. Um, it's got loads of red herrings in it. Do you yeah. think you'll find a solution? You will do that thing, that card will then tell you off and you'll get a penalty on the, on the, on the timer. So you get 60 minutes to solve these problems. Yep. Um, you can get, as you said, you can get hints with them, which you can turn on or off. Which I thought the hint system was quite clever. You put I in did. the number. Um, there's normally sort of a code on some of the top of the cards that you put in. It'll give you a hint towards. But it what won't you're looking tell at. you the answer. It no. will just say, "Where do you normally find this? Yeah. What does that look like to you? Yeah. What does this symbol mean in real life? Just to make you relook at things again. And each of them was enough when we, the couple of occasions we did get stuck. Like, oh yeah. Of course. Why am I never going to see that? It had good playability. Yeah, it, it had really good playability. There was only two of us doing it, yeah. and I think that made it a lot quicker because we beat the app in like half the time. Yeah, and I think that's because we got so into it that you were drawing the cards. I was telling you what cards to draw, and you were drawing them. Yeah. But while you were doing that, I'm like, right, this red card. It needs a blue card. It needs an answer. And what would go with this? How does this function? To be fair, we both do math for a living. Yeah. So adding up the sum totals of the cards, working out the math and logic puzzles was quite easy for us in the squeaky sausage. Yes. Because it was obviously the basic beginner, sillier version. Yeah. So we we really got into it. We really did. And people came into the board game cafe to ask what kind of games to play. Yep. I mentioned that they played some escape rooms and really enjoyed them. So the guy started describing an escape room game to them on lock. At which point I was like, look, 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 we're playing it. At this which, is what we're is. At which Buy point it. he dived in front of you and went, but don't look at the cards. Don't look spoil the whole it. thing for you. And um, that's the only thing about the game. I mean, I absolutely loved it. But now that I've played it, it's got no replayability. No, it just rates you based on how well you do, how many hints you take, how many um, things you fail on. But I think even if I left it a year, I would still... Because it's quite Instinctively distinct. know... Yeah. I've played this adventure, I would, but you would it's, in an escape room. Yeah, They're kind well, of one and done as well. Yeah, it's the same way as... That's why they cycle around so much, isn't it? Exactly. It's the same way as a point-and-click adventure works. Like, I still know how to solve getting across the chasm in Monkey Island. Yeah. Even though putting a pulley in a rubber chicken makes no sense. It's because something... it's so... It's distinct. Yeah. And although these weren't that kind of point-and-click bizarre, they were, they were logic. Lo- yeah. They were logical links to things. But because there were logical links and because they had such nice writing around and pitch and stories and the, art, and the yeah. arts. I mean, the, the, the uh, Professor Noyce one was a very comic booky, very was. LucasArts adventure game kind of styled looking thing, which was why I really enjoyed it. With him it. mocking you if you went wrong somewhere yeah. or 
even if you do something right and it's like ha ah, did you think I would make it that easy yeah and like you throwing in the silly voices and stuff it made it I mean we didn't go to the toilet we didn't eat we didn't drink we were just yeah we, we were for the, for the 40 minutes or whatever it took us to solve the first one yeah we were in it there was no there was you no get, looking away we were in it in. I, I think the building could have burnt down around us and, and we, we wouldn't have even on. noticed yeah pretty much because we were so focused on sorting out the maze and getting the drawer open and F- figuring out what to do with the, the garden, how to it, get out, and it's, it was very, very engaging. But as you said, because it was so engaging, it's memorable, which means its replayability sucks. But there are free versions in the box. Yep. But it's nearly thirty quid. Which is ten pound per game. Which is not which awful. Is cheaper than escape rooms. Yeah. And if you were to say, say we played it as a twit and then Brian played it as a twit and then another twit played it and another twit played it and you played it in all separate groups but you each put £10 in to play all three games, then it would be worth it. Yeah. Or if you were to head to a board game cafe where you can play £10 for four hours for two of you and you could blast through five of those six games in four hours depending on how good you are four of the six games in in four hours yeah i think for board game cafes things like unlock are amazing yeah it was definitely something if you go to one of these places that you need to grab or if you are happy to play like almost like dungeon master if you were to happy to take it to different groups of friends, different families, like like we could take it to our family at Christmas and get them to do it and play, it. and then but we would have to be the app. We the would app be the yeah. rather than a, a participant, which could be fun. I think with the Professor Noyce one, I think that would be fun with the the lab technician, the lab technician, the the underground system one. I don't think that would be fun for you for DM again. Very escape roomy, you know. You're normally sort of looking for a spy or something in some of these. You know, yeah, can be ultra serious and stuff, but that can I, be less fun to role play. I thought that one was harder, but because it was more serious, it didn't have the silly elements. Yeah, of the squeak and the sausage had very silly elements on what you had to do. Yeah, like to get out of the room and stuff, you had to do some very silly things you wouldn't necessarily do in real life. Yeah, um, like finding recipe books and stuff like that. Whereas the lab one, it was all about getting the vials in the right order and cracking safes and finding hidden rooms. And it was a lot more serious. So it did take us a bit longer because we weren't instinctively like Monkey Island style. Let's put this in this together because it would be funny. Which is ridiculous. We actually get on better with that kind of, this doesn't logically make any sense, but I see a pattern here. So let's do this. Let's do this. If I were in a comic book, what would I do? If I were in a a video game, what would I do? Oh, I'd mix this and this and do this. Oh, it worked. Yeah. But Um, yeah, I'd say if you were... If you either were going to buy them as a big game group so that you could share them round and play them individually yeah, so you don't all play it together and once. not share the story, yeah. it could be a really good laugh. Like yeah. We could buy it for the Twits and every Twit could play it in a different group yeah. and I think it'd have a lot of replayability. But we couldn't play it again. We've played no. two of the three adventures in we that box now. we played the third now. one. We wouldn't go back to the other two. Not because they weren't fun. But because, but because we'd know done it too it. well. Yeah, you'd um, have to leave it a good while before you came yeah. back to it. I mean, there, it's not like you will go through the whole D 
deck during the course of your play, so all the cards will come and play at once. No. There was a huge, once we were finished, there was a huge stack of what were essentially red herring cards. We didn't even know we were coming to the end. No, because we had so many left. And these are all cards that will give you penalties for doing something wrong. And some of them were like, who would do that? But they'd kind of thought what somebody done it, so they put it in as a penalty. So yeah. There is a lot of things that can throw you off, I think, especially if you're not... I mean, we play quite a few escape rooms and games like this, yeah. so if it's not your sort of... You've never tried it before, you can get thrown quite easily, I think, in this. Yeah. But as part of the fun. So there might be some replayability if you don't complete it the first time, obviously because you want to come back and do it. I honestly think if it was more than two people, you wouldn't do it in an hour either. I think you'd spend so much time bickering. Yeah. Because you wouldn't instinctively. I think we were quite lucky in the fact that we played it together and we know each other so well that when I said this and this goes together, you were like, yeah. And when you said, oh, actually, no, this and this goes together, I could see the logic. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of everything. There wasn't a lot of bickering. Whereas if we played it as a big group, I think there would be a lot more, well, this goes with this and this goes with this. Why does that? Why? And you'd bicker a lot more. And the time would suddenly. Which is what out. tends to happen in escape rooms, to be honest. The more yeah. of you that are in there, although you could each work on an individual puzzle, you tend to argue over one particular element. You say that, but when we went to the escape but, rooms, yeah, the girls, right. girls thoroughly whooped you Yeah, bets. you did. I'm still leaning on the fact that clock was set up wrong in that room, but we wouldn't have got anywhere near as far as you guys anyway. We got out and you were still yeah, in the we first still, room. Yeah. You didn't even know there were two extra I know, rooms. I, we didn't, really didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus, we were terrible. In that logic. Been um, that logic. We would have seen the other rooms at least. We wouldn't have got out though. You wouldn't um, have seen the other rooms. I think with more people, as well as an argument, you might struggle a little bit because the cards are... Quite small. They're fairly small. quite small. intricate. So if you're looking closely at it, you're probably going to want to take the card and like put it right really to your face look to look at it. Because you do need to with some of them. So there might be some slowdown from bits like that, so it might struggle with more people. Which is why I would say buy it as four, a big game group. So play it in, in two, two to four I'd say I'd two say to three. No, I'd say no more than four. Yeah, no more than four, definitely. Yeah. No more than four. But then replay it around the group. Set up a league on who can do it the quickest Yeah, that'd friends. be really good, yeah. That would be an amazing idea. Yeah. Take it to, like, Expo or something um, and let people play it. But because they've got an hour, you could get a league table... Yeah, that'd be funny. ...so quickly. Yeah. Because it's got the replayability, but you have to have different people. Yeah. You couldn't replay it no. with the same people over and over again. But if someone said to me, oh, run the squeaky sausage for eight hours, I'd be like, do you know what? On it, just give me the deck. Because I love watching people trying to solve it. And when you know the answer, there is nothing funnier than watching your friends or your family try and solve something that just you know the answer to. Slip over the top of it. But it's go, so oh, stupid. You so close. Yeah, that yeah. you could wind them up and you, <laughs> yeah. could, or you could throw in red herrings and yeah. stuff. I think if you were going to do it as a kind of DM... I think there's there's definitely the, the, the element in You could theory. have a lot of friends yeah. if you were taking you it to work or your friends or your family or whatever. You could share it around, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to pay £28 for it. And it'd just be us. It'd it. just be us because too. We'd feel like being ripped off. We'd burn through it in an hour. It too. Well, yeah, we an afternoon and that's it. You'd yeah. be done with it kind of thing, which... You know, 30 quid for an afternoon isn't terrible. It's cheaper than going to the physical escape rooms. Yeah, but I think, you know, with that amount of money, just... you do want something you can come back to and play again. I think but... I'd feel bad that it would then just sit on the shelf. Yeah, you'd feel It's wasted. one of these games that I loved it so much, I, w- I want everyone to play it. Yeah. And if that means borrowing it off a friend, or buying a copy but buying it as a group and sharing it around, and I want the unlock people to make more. I want them to make many, many more. 
I, well, I mean, the fact that they've got to... I mean, there might be more. We haven't Googled this, so... No, I want them to make as many nice as they can. But if they listen to this, can you please, please make them more like the squeaky sausage and less like the lab coat stuff? Because... We, um, we want silly. Yeah, this I is, love the is... silly comic book style. Yeah. I instantly went to the squeaky sausage just because it was called the squeaky sausage. Well, I think that's something it's got over escape rooms. Because a lot of the escape rooms... I mean, I've been to ones where they've played it up and hammed things up and stuff. But, but for the most part, they've got to be quite serious fairly themes. real. Yeah. They can't do overly silly because they can't physically make those things work. Whereas you can be ridiculous with... Still be logical, but be ridiculous with something that's on a board yeah. game. Which you could be with, because it was very cut. Lucas reminded me of Manic Mansion, actually. Yeah. Which I don't think you, I've not played with you. We'll have to play that, because you, you'll play that and go, this this really reminds me of it. But I I would thoroughly recommend them to everyone. Mm. And if you have yeah, got a big group of people... Like, Chip in. If you're at uni or whatever, and you share games around the dorm, or if you are a twit and you've got many other game groups, friends in the game group... Yeah. Buy it as a group. No one person take the twenty eight pound hip. If everyone tricks in a fiver, and you buy it as a group and yeah. you play it all individually, get a league going. Make a game out of it. Make a challenge out of it. Could be good. The, the den winner, is- maybe the winner gets to keep the box. If the den is listening to this, this <gasps> is one of the things. Because oh, I, I should have messaged you about this after I well, I left. Because I'm surprised uh, if you haven't already. Definitely get it because invest I think, in them because people jump on it and yeah do a league with them because people have fun with that. I will happily come and help you run it <laughs> if I can do the squeaky sausage over and over again. I will happily come and like I'll, I'll come and help. That'll be a laugh. Right, we've got one last game to talk about. I loved it. <laughs> Which I don't know whether it, well, it is a game. I can't quite not it call is it a, a game. game, but it is a very very small children's game. Which is the whole point of a board game cafe. Of going to a board game cafe. This is not something we would in the slightest pick up anywhere else. But I did. But <laughs> yes, wife picked it up <laughs> and went, This would be funny. And in fairness, it was quite funny. It was Because hilarious. it was ridiculous. Pa- uh, penguin pile up. Penguin pile up. Penguin buckaroo. Yeah, penguin buckaroo, exactly. It's all it is. You've got an iceberg on a very precariously balanced bit of plastic. Yep. You have 20 penguins split between however many of you are playing it. Yep. And the first person to put all their penguins on the iceberg without them falling off wins. If any penguins fall off while you're balancing stuff... They become your penguins. They become yours and you have to put them Don't back they? on. Don't they? Yes. 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 Um, but it did say on the instructions that no no one person could put 20 penguins on. Well, yeah, and I like, would just this like is to the point ultimate out... challenge. Putting tw- all 20 penguins on the iceberg is very difficult because they're, they're slanted in places. Oh, There's yeah. very few actual nice blue bounce places. But to the penguin pilot developers, did it first time. <laughs> Beat you. Yeah, all right, sure. Um, because I grew up on games like that. On, I grew on up on Mousetrap. Buckaroo, Papa Pirate, Pirate, yeah, Papa Penguin. Everything's a penguin now. Do you know what I mean? I grew up on games like that: Jenga, Buckaroo, yeah, all those physical putting things together games. Yeah. Like, um, what was the one? Not Mousetrap, but there was like a a marble game where you had to get it through the maze and up the stairs. Marble and... Madness. I that might be the video game. That might be a video game I'm thinking of. I know what you it mean. It was yeah. like a physical maze and yeah. you had to get it you, through you the... You had like two twisty things on the side that twist the, back, yeah. the maze back and forth. And you yeah. had to get the marble up the stairs and yeah. across the bridge and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of game I grew up on. Yeah. 
So putting 20 penguins on, we didn't even put the stabilizers on. We put it on the ricketiest iceberg <laughs> you could ever have. Yeah. But that's why I love it. That's why I love Ice Cool. That's why I love Penguin Pile Up. It's the physical, tactile, silly games. A little, little thing, yeah. And so, I, for kids, I reckon they would love it. Yeah, definitely. I think it Such depends on how much concept. it is. I mean, it's in a quite a big box. It's not it a, small, a big box. It's a small thing. There's not a lot to it. But that's because if you're at a board game cafe and you've got your children with you, definitely pick it up. <gasps> Play have, it. A, have a massive laugh with it. Whether to pick it up by. If you can find it for like five less than ten pounds, I'd say probably. Yeah, you've got because enough space the plastic for it. and the, the quality of the penguins was really they, they good. Did, they, yeah, they did look really, really good. But and there it, were stabilizers on there to play with younger children, so, easy, so you yeah. could stop it from wobbling as much. And you and know, naturally, I was playing you, so I took them out. Yeah, you but, had it on the wobbliest setting ever. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna play. We're gonna play it like adults. <laughs> <laughs> Penguin pilot for adults. Yeah. Um, but the same as a lot of these games I think it'd be one of those things that gets played a little bit and then put away sort of thing but, but again classic board game cafe culture in that you can it's silly it's pick up it's played pretty quickly yeah. and it's not something you'd invest in normally but you actually because you're just playing it for a little while you can have fun with it exactly and this is why I love places like the Dice Cup because you can spend an afternoon talking with fellow gamers it's got a nice cafe. It's got a wide variety of board games. Although could not find Perlock Holmes. Very upset that I could not find Perlock Holmes. <laughs> we will be playing Perlock Holmes at some point. Okay. But it's got all sorts of varieties. We played adult games like the stained glass window game and the farming game. But we also played silly games like Camel Cup and the Penguins. Yeah. We played escape games like Unlock. And we played card games like Sushi Go and Total Rickle. We got many, many games in in our four hours yeah. that we could try, and it cost us ten pound. Yeah, for an afternoon of fun. Yeah, well, it cost us more like twenty pound because I drank all the teen ate all the cake. But yeah, yeah, for the Which sake you want of way there, to be fair, but yeah, but for, for the, the sake of a board game, essentially, yeah. or half a board game, because most board games are about forty pound. Yeah, we had four hours of fun. Yeah. Trying things that we might not have ever tried before. Playing games that, you know, they had loads of games in there. Loads of quirky games. Yeah. You could spend probably the best part of a month in there going through all the games. You could be much longer than that, because there's so many. That's the same with any any ball game place. They've got so such a selection, you could come back more, so many times and still have to do something new every time. And I do think, especially if you've got little ones, or if you've got friends coming over for the weekend or whatever, going to a pop-up board game cafe or just a board game cafe, because obviously most of them are pop-up because of overhead costs and yeah, yeah. like trying to find rental space is quite expensive. It's somewhat reasonable, yeah. Um, but if you can find a board game cafe or a pop-up board game cafe, I would definitely recommend it. Go and support the local businesses because you've got the space to play, you've got food and drink, which is always reasonably priced. Yeah. You've got all of the board games that these people have invested in that, yeah, sometimes they're a bit tatty, but that just means that they're well-played games. It's kind of, yeah, kind of evidence of ones that are good because they're worn. But you can play a whole variety of games and you can pick up things like Sushi Go and say, do you know what, actually, this is not for me. Camel Cup is an amazing game. I think it'd be fun if you've got a big group of you or if you've got little ones but it wouldn't be one that would enter my board game library yeah. and then you can try things like the stained glass window game I'm going to get that game yeah 
there is no denying that that will be part of my home library very very soon yeah and the farming game will become part of your home library very very soon because we do have distinctive halves to our library (laughs) (laughs) there is very much a my half and a your half but do you know what i mean it's we tried games that you like we tried games that i like we had a lot of fun while we were there we got to play with the doggy while we were there and if you're not the sort of person that is good with rules and instructions there are people and this is again the same for the board the dice cup were amazing with it the den's always been really good with it as well um, and drafts I've, were good with it because they explain suburbia really easily to us as well. And I've never been somewhere where they haven't. They've always got people who are experts. On hand who know. Yeah. Who will go through it, explain it in a way that isn't patronising, but is simple to understand and allows you to get on and play the game really quickly without having to trawl through a rule book for ages. Because some of these games can be overly complex or the rule books can be really badly written. They'll have understood it enough to break it down so you can actually just get on and play it quickly because that's what they want you to do. They're not there. Don't feel bad about asking how a game works because they want you to get in, get on and play with the games. I know they've got a lot of them sort of do the four, four to five hour time slots because got to cycle around obviously space. We've only got a limited and they space. need to make the income because if you think about it, we only paid five pound for four hours. It's only a pound an hour. Yeah, for us taking up a table. Yeah. We had a four table, plus us using the games and everything. And the bathrooms and, and everything I, else. Yeah, and that table could make £20 a day. Yeah. I mean, I would more than happily pay £20 for the day if I was going to be there for 10 hours or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I have no issue with that because that's the same as buying a board game. Yeah. But we would then in turn play... Probably the best more. part of 30 board games if yeah. we were there for that long. And then that's what they want you to do. They want you to get through as many games that you want to and have fun with them as quickly as possible not because they want to rush you out the door but because they, they want you to get as into the many fun. games as you can you, get yeah, yeah. They as want many you to different en- types of games enjoy yourselves as, mu- yourselves as much as possible these these places are staffed by people who, who care genuinely about board love games who, who the love games gaming. and the role playing and yeah and that was the other thing i liked about the dice cup is that they had a notice board where people would advertise for people to come and join their gaming groups. Oh, I didn't see that. That's yeah. awesome. Next yeah. to the cafe above Merlin, which I stopped at many, many times because, <laughs> you know, that's where Merlin lived. They have a board they have a board and it said role playing nights were these nights, Malifaux nights were these nights. Um but also we've got a space in our role playing group. If you're interested in this kind of role play, come and join us on this evening. And they allowed you to play your own games for a pound instead of five pounds. Yeah. So you could just rent a table, which means you in turn could then meet all of your friends in a safe, warm location in the middle of a city centre to role play. Yeah. Gets you out of your student flat, gets you out of your house share. And allows you to meet up with people. Potentially that you don't wouldn't normally be able to meet. Exactly. Space is difficult. I mean, we're lucky that one of our members of our role play group has a large enough living room to fit a ta- gaming table that can fit us all round. I mean, but even that's one out of the ten of us. Yeah, none, none of the rest of us could fit could manage that. No, um, or would do, but very cramped. So having a space available for groups like that is is awesome. Um, Especially if you're only paying a pound each. Yeah, a pound is 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 a chocolate bar. Yeah. So for a pound a week, you can go and you rent this table. And you can play for four, five, six hours because if it's an evening and nobody else is coming in, they won't kick you out. They'll let you stay as long as you buy food and drink. Yeah. 
most places will let you stay over your as long as they don't need the table yeah if they've got people coming in or asking stuff obviously you're probably going to get restricted but other than that you're free to stay as long as you choose or you pay a pound and buy another four hours yeah just just make sure and you can have gaming days but they run tournaments they um, run competitions and stuff where obviously it's quite expensive entry but the prizes are really good yeah I heard some guys talking about it while we were there and it's, it is a community hub for like minded people and for people like myself who don't ordinarily go out to gaming events yeah I would happily go to a board game I've gone to many board game cafes in our time because it's a safe environment where I can sit down and people don't judge me for not knowing how to play the games. They yeah. don't judge me for not being a role player. And it's a normal cafe. I can get food, I can get drink, it's warm, it's safe. But I can also buy the board games and things while I'm there. So if I really like something, I'll buy it and bring it home. Yeah. But it gives me a set chance to play as well. Because when I'm at home, we don't have time to sit around and play board games you food shopping gets in the way and housework gets in the way and yeah I mean, friends we, and family we and do work but, and yeah we do but it's, it's other things happen so you tend yeah. to unless you specify a particular slot for yourselves you tend to lose whereas it a little bit if whereas you go to a board game out, cafe gone somewhere specific you're there for five four five six hours you, you want to make the most you make the most of it you're dedicated to playing games you're yeah. sat at a game table in a game store playing games yeah it's that downtime that just takes everything else away. We even put our phones away until we needed the app for the unlock. Yeah, it's true. It's probably the first time in months where I've not had my phone out to look at for, for the anything. entire time. Yeah, you put it down for like four hours. Yeah, because even when I'm role-playing, because I have, I've got attention deficit disorder, I, I have to keep flicking between multiple things because I get itchy if I don't. It gets, gets to me sometimes. But if I can get hyper-focused on something I'm really interested in, in the right environment, which these places are... Yeah, I can enjoy myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we had a really good time then. We um, did. Hopefully some of these have kind of intrigued you and you're going to go out and look at them or you're going to go to your local pop-up or store-based board game cafe and go and play some games and mess around with some yeah, of them. Yeah, go look for pop-ups if you don't have a static board game Yeah, cafe. hunt around on Facebook. Have a look in local community centres. Have a look on local groups because they pop up in all sorts of random places. And trust me, these guys need your support. Yeah. Because it costs a lot of money to buy all the board games, rent out the places. They need local support. And if you support them and help them raise the money they need, they may be able to get a permanent location. Yeah. Which will turn into places like the Dice Cup and stuff like that as well. But they do need game help and game support. Yeah. You do need to support your local communities if you want things like Dice Cup Cafe and other board game cafes to survive. Yeah. Um, so yeah look around for them go play go, go play games oh, go in, play in, many games and play them with random strangers because the people there are always you know nice and they've gone because they want to play games so you will meet as you said like minded people which is awesome so if you've enjoyed this please like and subscribe by clicking the like and subscribe buttons or that might differ depending if you listen to this on a different podcast app, application we don't know um, but please share it around as well tell your friends share it to your local board game cafe and go buy these games because they sound quite cool that's fine and don't forget if you want to see Twit and Wife of Twit having a battle and I do mean a physical battle head on over to YouTube and check out the uh, Nottingham videos from our Twit's Day Out yes uh, which may or may not be up yet but if you like your YouTube videos yes there will be 
actual physical abuse um, <laughs> on the Nottingham Video Game Arcade videos. But yeah, I think that's it. So we will talk to you again soon. There will be some Netrunner and Malifaux content coming up soon. I know people have been asking about that. And we've been a bit not lax with the Malifaux content. We have been very lax with the Netrunner content. It's been difficult to get hold of stuff. We've only recently, in the last couple of months, we've actually got hold of like its data pack. Um, and we're still trying to get a head around the whole changes and things. But we're getting back into it, so some stuff will be appearing for you guys soon. Don't worry. But yeah, we will catch you again soon. Bye. Bye.